Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People podcast for another episode. I'm Amanda Anguish and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and I'm joined with my co-host. Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Katie Elson and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. And we're going to be talking today, ironically, about language. I know that sounds like an interesting topic, but we're going to talk about the power of language, the importance of the language. Um, One of the things I've noticed in in um, just watching people in general, sometimes people argue about things and they don't realize that the words that they're using, they might be using the same words, but they're defining it differently. And Mm -hmm. if they just knew what the other person was thinking about that word, it would be a totally different conversation. Or sometimes people use totally different words, but they're meaning the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then they're arguing too. So we want to talk about language today and we're going to see where we wind up with this one because we are we're this is kind of a uh, pet peeve for us. It's kind of like a soapbox place for us to go. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about this because we think it's important yes. and we want to share some of our thoughts and things that we come across every day with you. So, Katie, maybe you have something that you want to say to start us out. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So let's start with fill in the blank. Sticks and stones may break break. my bones, but names will never hurt me. Words, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Words. (laughs) I learned it names, but I guess. Yeah. Okay. Because you you get called names, which come from words and stuff. So it's still appropriate. So that's a myth, Mm -hmm. right? It's interesting that something that we know is a myth just continues to be passed down. Absolutely. So words would never hurt me. And we're starting with that because if we don't, if we continue to believe that, then this whole episode, right, talking about mm-hmm. language, it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. But realizing, no, it does hurt. And yeah. I think people who are watching or listening can attest that, right? We all have our different experiences where something could have been said, whether intentionally or not mm-hmm. intentionally, but it hurt. Yeah. And it hurt deeply, like sometimes even more so. Like they should change that phrase to be like, and words hurt me more. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, than physical abuse. Yeah. And so I think just recognizing that helps us to then say, okay, if I've experienced that for myself, Mm -hmm. then I need to be intentional about the words I use Mm -hmm. so that I'm not hurting someone else. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to piggyback on that, realizing that the words that affect me may not affect other people yeah. and the words that affect them may not affect me. And and to pay attention to that, you know, I don't want to just use anything thinking, well, if it doesn't affect me, it's not going to affect them mm-hmm. because we all come with a background. Yes. And certain things in our life that trigger us in certain words that might trigger us, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think people might be thinking, oh, OK, well, this is very broad in general. Are they talking about bullying? Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? We're going to specifically hone in on the words that are within the mental health realm. Yeah. Right? So, for example, um, stop being so OCD about what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about, Amanda. <laughs> 
was I being? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. So words mm-hmm. that are often used. What are other examples? So like OCD, right? That's a common one. Of like, yeah. oh, I'm, or even sometimes we do it for ourselves. I'm, I'm being so, so OCD. OCD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had a client once um, who I remember I actually used the word crazy, but I mm-hmm. said it. I thought I was saying it in a very affectionate way, like, oh, you're so crazy and stuff. But to my client, it actually that word mm-hmm. was a very powerful word to her in Mm. terms of because, you know, she felt crazy Mm -hmm. at times. And so to have somebody say that just really dug into that place where she felt like she wasn't enough or that maybe it had been used in a very derogatory term in the Mm -hmm. past too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another one would be bipolar, Mm -hmm. right? That's probably the one I hear the most. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times in reference to to themselves of like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I'm so bipolar, right? Yeah. And often describing like, oh, I'm uh, experiencing one emotion one moment and then another emotion the next, mm-hmm. right? Which is not bipolar. Um, but that's another one that's commonly used as very kind of in common day-to-day things mm-hmm. and not recognizing the sensitivity of an actual diagnosis for people and, and yeah. an ongoing struggle for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a personality disorder that I hear some people say too. Do you, do you know which one I'm talking about? Well, my mind went to either borderline or narcissistic. Yeah, the one where people say I'm antisocial. Mm-hmm. And what they're talking about is maybe I'm an introvert but in the psychological world, antisocial actually means I'm willing to step all over people to get to the top. I'm mm. willing to put you down and whatever it takes for me to get to the top. If that hurts you, I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's what antisocial really means. So when I hear people say it, they don't say it too much anymore. Maybe it's not used a lot um, in their circles and stuff. But I hear that a lot. And I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you really are not antisocial. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. like to be by yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or kind of playing off of that, I often hear too many people saying, oh, I have social anxiety. If they're anxious in social situations, Mm -hmm. but it's not quite to the extreme of actual social anxiety. I think everybody's judging me and perceiving me to be a certain way or Mm -hmm. looking at me a certain way, for sure. And then I mentioned a moment ago, which is like a buzzword these days narcissist right yes he is such a narcissist she's such a such a mm-hmm. narcissist I don't say that like 10 times right yeah. um but that's one that's really used often without understanding that there's a literal number of symptoms that a person or features that a person has to mm-hmm. have in order to be considered that selfishness alone is not Mm-hmm. Enough to make somebody a narcissist. I agree with that. That's one I probably hear the most nowadays is mm-hmm. everybody's narcissist or even the word toxic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is a toxic situation and we use it. And I think one of the reasons why this is such an important topic to us, the words that we use, the language that we use, is because if everything is a level 10 word, what do mm. I use when things really are that way? You mm. know, if everybody's a narcissist, what do I call somebody who is actually is a narcissist? Mm-hmm. I I need to be careful about my words because I won't have anything mm. for later when it really meets the criteria. Crying for wolf. That. Yeah, it is crying wolf. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier too, even I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another type of language that people will use. And so I've had clients who 
people say, yeah, somebody called the police and because I said that I wanted to kill myself mm -hmm. and I didn't really want to kill myself. And then all these people got involved and I was just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so I've come to learn to ask my clients, even if they start using that kind of language, what do you mean by that? Like, mm -hmm. what what are you willing to do at this point or what do you want to do or what are you going to do when mm -hmm. you say that? Do you really want to kill yourself? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents might hear their kids say these things mm -hmm. and they freak out mm -hmm. and they start calling or they just kind of tune out because they've heard it so mm -hmm. much yeah. that we don't learn sometimes to ask clarifying questions like, what mm -hmm. do you mean? Are you really going to hurt yourself or do you just feel overwhelmed? Yeah. And the other danger is if we use level 10 language all the time, we are also, our emotions follow language. Yes. Right? And so if we use something really powerful, then our emotions can be aligned with that. And we're, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy when it mm -hmm. comes to language. And our brains don't know the difference. When we say those words, the brain goes, oh, I got to get ready for this mm -hmm. level 10 experience that I'm about to have, pull out all the resources and everything. And it doesn't understand, oh, I'm using this far too often. I'm actually really exhausted living this life using mm -hmm. these terms because it gets everything in my body going when it, mm -hmm. I could use those resources for something far more important later. Mm -hmm. And when, like, when talking about like your body prepares, it becomes sometimes a confirmation bias with others. If we label mm -hmm. somebody with something else of like narcissist or whatever it may be, then we might act in a way preparing for that label mm -hmm. um, that then the person reacts back to us. And then we're creating that as reality when it may not be. I think a lot of relationships would benefit from that understanding. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if I call that person a narcissist, they're going to feel really defensive and then they're going to respond maybe more like a narcissist would because they have to defend their shame or their pride mm. versus if I just said, hey, I don't really like it when you treat me that way or I don't like it when you do that or something. Mm -hmm. That way that gives the person a chance to respond to the actual behavior versus the title and mm -hmm. the label that yeah. you're putting on them. So we're not saying to minimize and mm -hmm. completely change our language to ignore the problem, but it's actually to be more specific than this big category or label that doesn't actually pinpoint the problem itself. Maybe intentional versus lazy with our language. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely mm -hmm. think that's a, it's a lazy way of, of speaking, right? Mm -hmm. Where we just kind of categorize others or ourselves to identify some things that might apply, but not the whole thing. I wonder, as we're talking, I wonder if that's a function of, you know, maybe our culture where we, we, it's easier just to take something we've heard somebody else say rather than to come to our own conclusions and actually mm -hmm. process information. It's easy to say, oh, well, that person says toxic. So I'm, mm -hmm. this is, must be toxic too, versus, oh, that person said toxic. That sounds like an easy way to describe this, but what else could I use to describe mm -hmm. this instead that might be more accurate? Yeah, I definitely think that like with the culture of us reading less, right, mm -hmm. of us um, having influencers and other people that we put on a pedestal, we're just consuming, right, mm -hmm. without that filter of really um, understanding for ourselves, like gaslighting, right? Mm -hmm. Gaslighting, love oh, that's bombing. Another one, yeah. I hear those all the time without a good understanding of what actually is that and does that fit what that person is doing. 
Which is ironic because we have like these search engines that we can go and look stuff up. But how often are we ever yeah. are we actually looking it up? But I, I think I think one of the things that can be helpful, you know, something that I've actually encouraged some of my clients to do is ask more questions, like mm -hmm. rather than responding to what that person said right away ask a question to get clarification and maybe even go to the fourth or fifth question. So one, what it does is it allows that person to explain more mm -hmm. versus it may sound one way at the beginning, but then you get more clarification. The other thing that it does too is gives you an opportunity to truly understand what that person is saying before you jump to conclusions mm -hmm. and think, oh yeah, I know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. It just gives us an, and it get, allows you to get to the heart of a person. I think that's what we mm -hmm. all want is to be understood and to be mm -hmm. seen and heard. But how can we do that if we just take a word and run with it before mm -hmm. we understand what they mean? Yeah. So thinking so far of what we talked about, we've given a lot of different examples and started to allude to a lot of the importance of language. Mm -hmm. Um but I, I want to go back to like some of the examples of like bipolar, OCD, because I want to highlight one component of yeah. the importance of mm -hmm. language is um, the sensitivity when it comes to mental health. Yes. Right. Because when you mentioned pet peeve, right, us as therapists are often like protective of our mm -hmm. clients. Right. Um, and so this is something that we want to educate our listeners to be able to be mindful of their language so that. They are also, right, it's not just us mm -hmm. doing that job of protection, but others being mindful so that they can protect and not hurt mm -hmm. those around them as well. So being first point, kind of really being mindful of the language around mental health. So mm -hmm. OCD, bipolar, these other, um, or even saying, I am depressed, right? Yeah. Identifying with these things, whether so for ourselves or for others as well. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean people have to like completely filter everything that they're saying or thinking. It just means not rushing to a conclusion, allowing there to be more time to understand the situation and use the right words versus mm -hmm. let's hurry up and get this relationship situation done with. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to put a label so I can disregard the rest of what's going on mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So understanding instead of just using language, like being intentional about why I'm, what am I saying and mm -hmm. why am I saying it? So if I'm saying, oh, I'm so OCD. No, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Right? Because there are other people that actually experience that disorder and mm -hmm. are really struggling. And so if you just flippantly just say that, like that's hurtful to them. Yeah. Right? Um, or like what you're mentioning when using it for other people, also understanding, mm -hmm. like, does that actually fit? Um, yeah. Instead of just using it as something to say, well, they're very um, perfectionistic with yeah. what they're doing. Or tidy or mm -hmm. more germ, you know, conscious, conscious or yeah. something like that versus, and that may help the other person understand like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm not actually OCD. I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm just more particular about germs mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So being more mindful um, in the language that we use. Mm -hmm. um, but also not just the word itself of OCD, bipolar, so forth, but the identity attached mm -hmm. with it. So that person, right, is bipolar yeah. or I am bipolar, mm -hmm. right, versus saying I have bipolar or that mm -hmm. person has, right? It's separating the person from the condition, which yeah. when I worked in primary care, they're really moving towards saying, 
oh, that person has diabetes versus I am a diabetic. Yeah. Because right? over-identifying often leads to then giving up mm-hmm. instead of fighting something that's separate from you. And something that we as therapists know is that People can even have tendencies, but not have the full diagnosis, too, Mm -hmm. because there's a list of criteria that you have to fit in order to be considered that. And sometimes it could be six characteristics or nine characteristics. And if you have three out of those six or five out of those nine, you do not necessarily Mm -hmm. meet the criteria for that. And so if we know that. Oh, well, I can't go around saying I'm OCD or bipolar or something. I have to understand like, oh, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Mm. And so therefore, I just have some characteristics of that Mm -hmm. or I'm dealing with some characteristics or traits of that. But I don't actually have that. You know, it's fascinating about other languages. So like actual other languages Mm -hmm. is when they describe their feeling, it's very different. So we say, I am sad, right? Mm -hmm. I am happy. I am fill in the blank. Um, So already in our English language, we're over identifying with Mm -hmm. our emotions versus other cultures might say, I feel this Mm -hmm. way, right? Or other ways, you know, I can't translate it to English, but there's a separation, right? It's almost as if it's like an object that you have. Like sadness has me or something like that. Yeah. So even just that's fascinating. You know, I'm not saying that everyone has to change their language. We have to learn I have five sad, more languages. Right? Too. <laughs> but just being aware of that, because I have too many clients who say I am depressed. Mm-hmm. And that thought alone really cripples them to not be able to get past the depression because mm-hmm. it's not something they're fighting. It's something it's who they are. And and something to think about with that, too. Both of us love to talk about our beliefs and everything. And if I start labeling myself as I'm depressed, well, I'm also a mother, I'm also a spouse, or I'm also a father, or I'm also a child. I don't go around saying I'm a child to everybody. Like, I'm a child. Did you know I'm a child? You know, I'm a child. And so recognizing that this is one aspect of my life that I'm dealing with. It's not all of who I am. Mm-hmm. And that that actually helps people even overcome those things. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that we work with actually overcome these. And if I'm used to saying I'm depressed, well, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm not depressed anymore. So what do I do with myself? Well, maybe I have to go back to that depression because I don't know what else to do with myself yeah. mm-hmm. versus Oh, I deal with depression, Mm -hmm. but I'm also dealing with all these other things Mm -hmm. in my life, too. Yeah. So being careful for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but also for others, because others also it's you're condemning them to that fate. Oh, you are depressed. Therefore, Mm -hmm. you won't ever change. Yeah. And I think that's so important, too, because in you know, I'm sure you've noticed this. We've probably even talked about this before where, you know, early on in society, mental illness was very much a taboo thing. You don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it. You're crazy. You know, you're you're there were insane asylums for this sort of thing that you just went to and you died there one day in the future and nobody else got to see you or mm-hmm. spend time. And now we're at this place in society where it's almost everybody has a diagnosis mm-hmm. that they're identifying yeah, with. And so you almost feel like if you don't have something, like, who are you? How mm-hmm. are you going to connect with people? Because they all have something that they're talking about. But we are not only 
the criteria that we experience or the symptoms that we mm. experience, there's so much more to us that makes us who we are yeah. and to start identifying with those things too. Yeah. And that's really sad, Amanda, because you see, um, especially in the younger uh, generations this contagion right mm -hmm. even a suicide contagion right like, oh yeah i am suicidal like mm -hmm. think about that for a moment you are identifying with suicide with death with death yeah, yeah. and so it's so important like it seems trivial oh, language mm -hmm. but no language is so powerful in ensuring that not just i change my language individually but we're also talking about societal implications mm -hmm of changing language in order to overcome big issues and even crises like mm -hmm. the mental health crisis and the suicide crisis. Yeah. And even, even that word suicidal actually implies a hopelessness to the situation mm -hmm. too, that there it's just inevitable that it's going mm -hmm. to happen versus I'm not liking how things are going in my life right now. And I want, I want some hope. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's yeah. a different way of looking at it. So, yeah, I think this is this is good that we're talking about it because mm -hmm. a lot of people maybe this is just something because we work with it all day, every day. And we're taught to look at not just the words people say, but the context they're saying those words mm -hmm. and vice versa, not just the context, but the words they're using and to help them understand the words that they're using and what's connected to those words. Mm -hmm. Our beliefs are connected to those words. Mm -hmm. And if we believe that that is the state that we're in, like you've said earlier, then what what are our prospects going mm -hmm. forward? Yeah. There's two other words that like are pet peeves for me. And I want to really mm -hmm. um, educate our listeners to be careful with these two words. Um, and it comes from my work with DBT yeah. and working with certain clients that experience more intense emotions mm -hmm. and they typically get these two things you're being too dramatic yeah so dramatic is one mm -hmm. and then you're being too emotional yes right? and those could be very triggering for people mm -hmm. um it's kind of like hey chill right it's like mm -hmm. that doesn't work <laughs> like be quiet already i'm done <laughs> yeah it doesn't help someone mm -hmm. right when you're saying you're being too emotional you're you're one for one you're portraying emotions as really negative mm -hmm. right and then you're you're judging them for their natural emotional experience now and they're already judging themselves usually too yep. uh -huh. you know because it when you're feeling depressed and then you're beating yourself up for that you're only going to cry more you're only going to do more of that because the emotions already so strong and you're adding more on top of yeah. it. yeah and one thing that some family members or friends don't understand about certain diagnoses is that they have actually a biological um, vulnerability to emotions. And so mm -hmm. they actually experience more intense emotions Yeah, biologically. Like mm -hmm. this is something ingrained in them. It's not a conscious choice to yeah. be so emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's more intense and it can be more, they can be more impulsive and other things. And so there's a lack of understanding. It's like, oh, you're choosing this way. Stop being so emotional. Mm -hmm. So just being mindful of that in those words and instead of labeling that and, and viewing it as a negative thing, like mm -hmm. try to listen to them, try to, you know, um, help them to regulate in that moment versus just saying that, making things worse, which then makes them even more emotional and it starts a cycle, which they hate and you don't yeah, like either. I'm thinking people who've experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. I know you like to work with 
with that issue. And that can make people so where they don't have a lot of control over their emotions in the moment or before they get the resources to help them with that. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of being too emotional that's actually good, Mm -hmm. right? And our culture overemphasizes logic, right? you know, or get D- over it already <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And DBT talks about like having a wise mind of including your emotions, mm-hmm. but also including logic and coming together. And so that person that you're calling too emotional, you're teaching them emotions are bad, but you're not actually helping them, you know, find a way to regulate their emotions better. And you're teaching them not to listen to the emotions too, because mm-hmm. oftentimes we know that paying attention to the emotion. It's not just so that I can sit in the emotion, Mm -hmm. but the emotion is connected to things that are going on or Mm -hmm. thoughts that I have. And if I don't pay attention to those emotions or I don't experience those emotions, I miss out on a lot of what can teach me things about life Mm -hmm. or can prompt me to pay attention to where I need to regulate something or respond Mm -hmm. to something a little bit differently. I think of, you know, even people who are who would be considered highly sensitive people. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ability to empathize and connect with people. And sometimes they're the ones in the families who actually have a greater awareness because they're not mm-hmm. pushing their emotions under the rug. And when yeah. you say to that person, like, oh, you're too emotional. Or too sensitive. Or too sensitive. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is don't tell us what's going on mm. and don't read to us back like what's happening in the context mm-hmm. of this. We all want to not. We want to pretend that that's not happening. Yeah. And we were having a conversation in my office the other day mm-hmm. about empaths. And that's the other yeah. extreme, right, of mm-hmm. over-identifying and saying, yes. I am an empath. Yes. Uh, so there's dangers in, in many different respects, but mm-hmm. over-identifying to some degree, but also then using these words to invalidate um, mm-hmm. and kind of have a negative spin on these things for others. Yeah, I think that's important too. I do hear, like we talked about, people say I'm an empath, but what they're saying is I'm a sensitive person and I respond to things because I'm taking in all of my senses, all of this stuff, and my senses are telling me, including my emotions, versus I know what you're thinking and I can replay back to you or I know what you're experiencing in your body, even if you don't know what it is, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. even noting noting the difference between those two words mm-hmm. as well. So recapping some of those words like OCD, bipolar in the context mm-hmm. of, oh, I'm so this or you're so that. Um, narcissism, narcissism, antisocial, mm-hmm. suicidal, mm-hmm. Um, too sensitive, too emotional, too dramatic, any yeah. other ones just to keep on our radar because mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to, oh, crazy, Toxic, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but any others that come to mind um, to, yeah, to have on our radar, to be more intentional about how we use these words when we use mm-hmm. them and not over identifying, not labeling others. Um, and not using it in a very flippant kind of uh, irresponsible way. And I think most of us, if we're paying attention, you know, to the world around us and our, even in our circles, we'll start to we'll start to pick up on certain mm-hmm. words that are being used. And and just to be able to ask ourselves, ask myself, is this something that like, do I know what this means or am mm-hmm. I just kind of parroting what other people are mm-hmm. saying without truly understanding it? Because language does change the more we use it, even mm-hmm. in inappropriate ways. Yeah. Words can turn into something else. And I've even had people say, well, that's how I mean that word when mm-hmm. I've asked them and I'm like, 
Well, that's not the definition of the word. You can use it your way, but it won't necessarily be accurate to the definition until all of society changes Mm -hmm. their view of that word. So being mindful, but also Mm -hmm. um, knowing the actual meaning of these words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't be afraid to look it up in a dictionary. Just like when you're little, you know, Mm -hmm. the teacher said, what does this mean? And nobody knew what it meant. And she said, "Okay, pull out your dictionaries and look it up. And then you had to say, how do you spell it? You know, Mm -hmm. to try to find it. But we can be more mindful and even impactful in our relationships, Mm -hmm. too, when we are willing to listen and also being willing to understand what something Mm -hmm. means versus just tout it off as though we know. So we're kind of already touching on tips to like change Mm -hmm. these things. So one being more mindful. Mm -hmm. And so one being more more mindful about the language we're using now that we are listening to this episode Mm -hmm. Two, looking at the definition, understanding the words that we're using. Yeah. Uh, I would say three, um, if you do, you know, say or use a, you know, certain language that's offensive or just be mindful of your surroundings. Right. Yeah. And ask like, oh, you know, was that offensive to you? Mm-hmm. Or if you notice that somebody. So this is maybe on the opposite side. If you're offended. Yeah. Don't just be offended. Like maybe have a take the an educational the doubt, moment you know, <laughs> and then, you know, share with them like, mm-hmm. hey, you just said oh, I'm so bipolar and I actually, you know, I struggle with that or I mm-hmm. know someone who struggles with that. And that's really hurtful. Yeah. So being mindful of your surroundings mm-hmm. um, as a way to be open to be educated or be the person that not educates because that sounds like, oh, I'm going to educate yeah. you, but just in a gentle manner, because some people don't know um, what they're saying. And they haven't heard this podcast to understand the importance of it yet. (laughs) So I think it's I think it's important that we also understand, too, that not everybody is privy to these things. You know, just like Mm -hmm. we said, they haven't all watched this podcast. We don't know what we don't know until we know it. And Mm -hmm. so just being just being understanding that, hey, this person may not have considered this word yet or how that what this means to me, but also that I don't all I don't know what everybody else's trigger words are and what it means to them. So I'm willing to listen mm-hmm. and hopefully they're willing to listen to and learn and grow as well. Because yeah. if I think about it, it's kind of like the example you used in the beginning. I have only learned not just because I learned in a textbook as a therapist is I learn as I mess up Mm -hmm. and people have been gracious to me. Some people not so gracious, but um, if we just stick together and are willing to listen and Mm -hmm. uh, to learn and grow and just listen to each other um, because there's a lot of different words and not coming from like a cancel culture perspective of like, Oh, that's wrong. And you know, you're canceled, but Hey, that impacts me in this way and being Mm -hmm. willing to be humble to and teachable. Yeah, we don't know what everybody is willing to do yet until we share with them how it affects us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful thing about relationships is we all have room to grow mm-hmm. and we're all learning. And so this is just another opportunity to learn. And that is by looking at the language that we use, the words that we share with each other yeah. and how we communicate and um I just want to thank you for joining me. This was kind of a fun talk that was started with a little seed in each of us that was like, ooh, I really want to (laughs) deal with this one. And I'm encouraged to just be more mindful. Like Mm -hmm. I I want to take, you know, what we've talked about today 
And when I'm with clients or with other people, friends, whomever it may mm-hmm. be, and just kind of do an inventory of yeah. my language mm-hmm. and also maybe even share with people, hey, like if I ever say something like I, I want to learn and I yeah. want to make sure that um, I'm speaking in a language, as we know, words have power, right? Mm-hmm. They can be hurtful, but they can also be extremely empowering. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm a person that's always empowering people, not I think the Bible down. talks about that too, how our words have the ability to heal or yeah, hurt Yeah, a word people. in due season. Yeah, a word in due season. So maybe we need to pray more too, that we will have mm-hmm. the language of Christ in everything that we say and everything that we do. And we don't have to do that on our own. As we ask, he promises to give us those words words and stuff. So I'm, I'm grateful yeah. for that. I don't have to do it on my own. I'd yeah. fail miserably if I did. <laughs> you know, what's great about this, Amanda. It's, it's also making our jobs easier. Oh, yeah. Like if people were just kinder and more mm-hmm. sensitive with their words and their language, yeah. um, people would be coming less to us. So mm-hmm. essentially this podcast is so that we don't have a job. We can retire yep, soon. I'm going to have to either retire <laughs> or find something else to do because I'm not old enough to retire. And I would encourage, I know on, at least on YouTube, you can mm-hmm. write some comments. So for our listeners, for those that are watching to write, maybe some words that have been hurtful to you, mm-hmm. um, that you want to just put out there for other people to be more sensitive about. Not to slam them, but Not just to, yeah. to, just to educate other people on the words and maybe even be willing to share words that you've exactly. said before that have hurt someone that you learned. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. this was hurtful to somebody, but if we're, if we're all willing to slow down mm-hmm. and to listen and pay attention to words and even to, you know, educate ourselves a little bit on words, I think we'll be a lot better off. Yeah. Choose life, choose words mm-hmm. of life. Yes. Words of life. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to us again and maybe even watching us if you're watching on the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 